core objective of E-Universal, an energy project funded by the European Union, is to develop a universal approach on the use of flexibility by DSOs and their interaction with new markets. This approach will be enabled through the development of the concept of the Universal Market Enabling Interface, or UMEI, a unique approach to foster interoperability across Europe. Pedro Marquez, who is the project's coordinator, is my guest for this episode. Together, we are going to demystify the project's focus and action points. Welcome to the EU Project Zone, a podcast series from Enlit and Friends, focusing on the energy transition and the EU Commission-funded projects that will help us achieve it. My name is Areti Daradimu, and I am the host of the EU Project Zone. Hello, Pedro, and thank you for joining me today. Hello, Rati. Good morning. So without further ado, I will go directly to my first question to you, and I will ask you to please describe in a few words what the E-Universal project is. Well, the Universal project, as you said in the introduction, is, uh, revolves around the UMEI. The UMEI will materialize in the, the conceptual architecture design and the implementation of a standard, agnostic, adaptable and modular REST API to link DSOs and market platforms within flexibility needs and coordinate it with other flexibility users. So eventually we'll have distributed communication without the need of managed platforms in between. That's what we intend, to put everyone speaking the same language without mediation devices. For the project, the project around the UMEI, so around this interface, we have been developing a threefold approach around three topics. Uh, new tools for the DSO to address this new renewable energy sources uh, penetration, EV penetration also, based on smart grids capabilities. Two new services based on this distributed energy resources flexibility that's becoming available. And last but not least, the integration of different market flexibility options. We'll study the direct one with market platforms, but also other market options, and try to match, to put them all working together, at least analyze the different options that may be available. Mm -hmm. It makes sense. And although you sort of kind of covered a little bit my second question, I will insist and ask you which needs of the EU energy grid is the E-Universal project covering and mm -hmm. how? Yeah, from the DSO point of view, for instance, within operations, we'll address grid congestion and voltage control, as always has been the case of recent projects, including phase balancing but also as a support to both planned and unplanned operations. That's an issue that's not fully covered and we introduced this. So flexibility as an option to help the people from operations to plan and operate sometimes with unplanned operations. So solve these day-to-day -day problems. Additionally, on extreme events, so not day-to-day -day hopefully, We'll also have work around that, the use of flexibility as a support to extreme events. And that have become frequent more and more. Last but not least, and leaving operations, 
we'll also address support to network planning, eventually leading to events and deferral, or in the last case, even its avoidance. And as you mentioned earlier, there are various, let's say, groups that participate in this project. Can you please expand a little bit on that? Tell me who is involved in this project. Is it a consortium? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a big consortium from my point of view as a coordinator. They are bigger, but this one's big enough. We're 19 partners from eight European countries. Yeah, that's so a lot. <laughs> we have uh, three DSOs, Eredes in Portugal, which is the project coordinator, Ion, specifically in German operations, and Energer from Poland. We have two flexibility market operators, Nodes and Insight, Flexibility service provider, which is Centric Business Solutions, around, I think it's eight research institutes. Let me see. So from Belgium, Vito, Vlerik, Business School, and KU Leuven. From Portugal, we have Ineshtec. From Spain, we have Camillas. From Poland, we have the Institute of Electricity, IEN, and two universities, Cyprus and Manchester. We also have two solution providers, NG Impact and Mikronica from Poland, and a consulting company, Zavala, was helping mainly with the social awareness and management. Okay, I see that geographically it covers about everything, east, west, north, south. Yeah, in, uh, including, including the Brexit country, yeah. <laughs> Very nice. And who is the target audience of the project? Well, in fact, all the stakeholders of the electricity that can gain from the DSO's role as neutral market facilitator. So other DSO's, flexibility market operators, flexibility service providers, TSO's, and even big prosumers that want to have capability enough to connect directly to the market platform without aggregation. Regulators are also key in understanding how are we proposing to address these future challenges. Yeah, it makes sense. And I assume you also faced some issues when you started working on that project. Which were the most frequent, let's say? Let's well, say. the main challenge has been COVID-19 for everyone. It makes um, sense. <laughs> although I, it didn't have a huge impact on earlier work since there were more studies and analysis. And we managed to overcome the obstacles through the tools that were available and it ran smoothly. It is starting now to have some issues when, because we want to start the demos, involve prosumers and uh, keep them assured that there won't be too much contact. And of course, buying some necessary equipment, not much, but some of the equipment we have also this problem. Then besides COVID-19, it's a big consortium. So we have different points of view within the consortium members. And I think we've been quite successful in turning those into strengths on our output. Yes, so it is. This it is variety will one. enrich the project, I think. Yeah, it makes sense. And it is a big consortium. And you made some really valid points that I think represent issues or challenges for other projects also, like financing equipment, convincing people to participate, and of course, COVID, that goes without saying. But I want to stay a little bit on the last point, which is the difference of opinions between the various member states, which is also 
a difference in the various grids. There is a diversity of the continent's various grids and the peculiarities of each EU member state. So is it possible, given all that, to achieve interoperability in a pan-European level or would it have to be localized? How can we ensure that? Yeah, I think it's possible if you keep it simple. The grids have some peculiarities, but this flexibility issue is not that different. And so if you keep it simple, I think we can manage it. Our aim is to reduce these barriers to entry of new stakeholders by proposing an open solution without imposing limits. So the UMEI will become publicly available and can be a basis for a direct interface between all these stakeholders, allowing for future enrichment, if they want to, by new product developers or even our the other system operators. So the UMI will be public, and so everyone will be able to contribute to its development and enriching. I think we can be uh, optimistic by keeping things simple, being able to overcome these diversity obstacles. And is it possible to define standardized products for energy services in a pan-European level, or again, would it have to be uh, localized, or is it again a simple solution? Well, I think the recipe is not to complicate when we don't need. So since the main challenges are common, we shouldn't limit innovation too much. And so we should standardize what's essential, and leave the rest of the market. That's a huge potential in Europe in innovation. And the less we standardize, we must standardize the essential, as I said, but uh, try to keep it as simple as possible and leave the rest of the market to the uptake from them. Yeah, it makes sense. Simple and clear and easygoing, let's say, if we can say something like that. And what about digitalization? Which technologies best enable digitalization? And would you say that Europe is a front runner in the world? Yeah, and specifically on smart grids. And there's a lot of spotlight in Europe around this. But besides smart grids, all technology capable of using this potential are, are important. Uh, these new tools for the system operators, some of them developed me in the project. Analytics to better understand and even anticipate uh, prosumer behavior, market enabling mechanisms, all of those. Eventually, artificial intelligence will also take the lead on this. It's coming faster and faster. But in the end, we should never forget the customer. The customers are the ones that will make the best decisions, maximizing social welfare if they have the right tools at their disposal. I mean, we should automate most part of the decisions to be taken with their consent, but leave some space for specific needs because they don't want to be bothered every day by these energy issues. And so leave some space for them and help them reduce their energy bill. That's in the end, the, the objective for, from their point of view. You're describing a sort of plug-and-play solution for the consumers, which sounds attractive, but maybe it excludes them a little bit from the process. What do you think? Um, no, I wouldn't say so. I, the question is, consumers are uh, more and more uh, attacked or uh, 
surrounded by stimulus from a lot of things. And in the case of the energy, they want to be part of the solution, but they want simple solutions. And so we must make them user-friendly using UX, uh, user experience analysis. And so automate what they want to automate and leave the control just for what they want to control because they don't want to control every other thing. They want to control just what's important and the rest can be assured when we contract with them what we're, for instance, in this case, flexibility. So they don't want to be constantly at the drive wheel, but they want to control that, of course. Yeah, that makes total sense. I think that I couldn't agree more or put it better myself. And of course, to achieve everything, we need some robust regulation or not. So my last question to you, Pedro, is what are we missing in Europe or what should we change when it comes to regulation? And here I intend both on a European, so EU Commission mainly, and the local authorities level. What do you think? Yeah. Well, uh, on one hand, the EC and regulators are constantly being challenged to need with this need to react much faster than in the past. And we've seen some of it on the recent messages against the energy price rise in Europe. They've reacted quite quickly and that will be most frequently from now on. On another hand, in order to have better decisions, probably sandboxes can help since they can allow for near real world project implementations of these different solutions we're studying and at the same time overcoming some obstacles imposed by existing regulation. And so while we're going deeper and deeper into low voltage, some problems may arise and these sandboxes can be of great help. Besides, this fast pace is pushing for faster results and faster conclusions from Horizon Europe projects. And in my opinion, this should be taken into account when developing future calls. The world is moving faster and all of us need to adapt to it. Thank you very much, Pedro, for this very, very interesting discussion, for sharing your thoughts with us and for explaining E-Universal to us. Thank you very much, Areti, for the opportunity to, to explain what we are doing in, in E-Universal project. You've been listening to the EU Project Zone podcast, brought to you by Enlit and Friends. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, and the Enlit Europe website. Just hit subscribe, and you can access our other episodes too. I am Areti Daradimu, host of this podcast series, and I thank you for joining us. Music